This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Jennifer Benson with the band Ignescent with Jay Scott at the Hook Rocks. Chicago, and that means a lot of things. And uh, one of those things is you get sick. And uh, if my voice sounds a little different, it's because I've had a cough for about a week and I've got a little bit of stuffy head and some tightness in the chest. I don't have COVID. I did test, but it's kind of a throwback to when we could get colds and coughs and sore throats. So I'm dealing with that here as we uh, turn the page in the 2023. So uh, by the help of some Hall's cough drops and a bottle of water, I'll be getting through this episode. Hope everybody's doing well and starting the new year off like they should in a positive way. This is Jay Scott, and this is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for tuning in once again. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. 
Started the year off strong with our album of the year episodes with uh, my friend Chris Corradetti. And uh, we appreciate everyone's support on those episodes because they uh, they do draw a lot of interest because we do it a little bit differently than a lot of publications out there where we actually talk about rock music and we actually talk about new rock, not just some legacy artists that have released a new album. And some of that stuff is great. I'm not going to take away from it, but when you see list after list and publication after publication and blog after blog of albums that don't even meet the criteria of rock and roll and you're calling it rock music, or you're completely forgetting about any anything from a new band or new artist over the last five to 10 years or within that time, you're faking it and you're being lazy and you're not listening to some of the best rock music that's being produced out there in decades and that's some of the new bands and new rock bands and um we really gear our list towards the new artists and the new bands because as i've just said some great shit so check out those two episodes part one and two check out richie cotton from the winery dogs back on the hook rocks it's the third time he's been on the show and we were excited to have him back Richie's always great and can't wait for y'all to hear the new album I've been listening to it nonstop since I got it, and it's absolutely phenomenal. And go check them out on tour this spring, this winter, this spring. They're going to be coming to a theater near you or a club near you. So hopefully you get a chance to go see them. They're a great live band. Um, Richie is phenomenal live. Billy is great. Mike Portnoy is great. So start your year off, get those winery dog tickets, and uh, you will not be disappointed so we head into our next episode of 2023 episode four and it's about a couple things that we've been talking about over the years live nation revenue we're going to revisit tiktok we touch on some streaming service stuff but the ultimate music business insider which I call her because she's great. She knows her shit. And every time I talk to someone about her, she's like, oh, she's awesome. And I go, why don't you get her on your podcast? So that's a call to everyone out there that if you want to really have a great conversation, what's happening in the business side of the music business, my next guest, Christy Neagle, is the best. No one's better. And welcome back, Christy. How are you? Oh, hi, Jay. Um, God, thank you so much. That is uh, really awesome. I really appreciate that. And blushing. Ah. <laughs> thank it's you so truth. much. It's the uh, truth. You're always well informed. You're always telling me things that I should be worried about or concerned about or question. And we're going to get into it. And we're going to get into some topics that we've talked about offline, either between ourselves and with the Groove Council and some important updates on TikTok. And what's happening with that? And I'll revisit why we talk about TikTok on on this music related podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some streaming stuff, but really, what we really want to talk about is the earnings and the money being made hand over fist by Live Nation, Ticketmaster, as you as some of you know them. The fees are getting out of control and are ridiculous. Um, I just noticed that probably in the last six months of the year, I think the fees were increased compared to what they were the first part of the year and through the pandemic. We're going to get into why, we're going to get into what that means, and some other things, too, that 
Live Nation is going through. I just read an article on Politico about Live Nation hiring a lobbyist for monopolies. So there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christy's the person to talk to, and she can mm-hmm. come lead us off and tell us what she's been reading and what she's been thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. And I tell you, as we speak right now, things are changing. So uh, whatever we say here today in early January, January or mid-January 2023, you know, things are rapidly changing. So <laughs> things could change by the end of this podcast. So definitely go out there. And and if you're interested in the subject, and it's pretty important, so you might want to keep up on it um, because it's it's really going to affect um, your ability to purchase tickets to go see your favorite bands in the future. You know, I have a couple of things that's really important to uh, know about Live Nation um, and the Ticketmaster. So you know, they merged a few years back. And um, so Ticketmaster was bought by Live Nation as part of their overall goal to be completely vertically integrated. So it's really important to know what a vertically integrated company is in order to understand, you know, why they're being considered a monopoly and how um, a vertically integrated company, uh, you know, like McDonald's or something like that is totally legal. Uh, vertically integrated is basically you have a closed logistics supply chain. So you own everything up and down that you need. Uh, you know, you own containers, you own warehouses, you own trucks, you own uh, in the in- music industry, you know. So it's really beneficial if you're a, a venue company to own the ticketing agency to be fully integrated. So as long as you own everything, and you do everything by the books and you make money, it's fine, right? A lot of companies are vertically integrated. They're enterprises. What's gone wrong is that um, they also want to own other things like their secondary market. So you have to know the primary market is where they sell tickets and the secondary market is where tickets are resold, and which are largely bought up by bots. It's all fully automated and then resold. And uh, Ticketmaster participates in what's called um, dynamic pricing, which is basically surge pricing. So, you know, like Uber uses surge pricing. So that's basically what it is. And that's why you see, you know, Bruce Springsteen tickets were four or $5,000 and, and, and Taylor Swift basically broke down. I won't get to Taylor Swift in a minute. So dynamic pricing um, what can happen is a lot of those tickets then can go to the secondary market. Now, Ticketmaster said, okay, you can go to the secondary market as long as you use our secondary market uh, vendor, you know, us. Woo-hoo. And they created an app, which if you use them exclusively as a ticket broker, you can just download and upload tickets, mass bulk buys and sells. Basically, it's just transferring funds back and forth. There's no actual physical tickets. It's just money back and forth, right? And um, you can use them exclusively, and that's free to the ticket broker. And then the ticket broker can, you know, do what they like. And then what happens is the Ticketmaster gets money for fees on the primary sale and also gets money for the fees on the secondary 
market because they own it because it's vertically integrated. It's actually called double dipping. And now they're going to go before the Senate um, because of all of the shenanigans going on here. And is it totally ethical? And is it really, is it vertically integrated business or is it uh, committing a crime? Uh, So it's going to go in front of the commercial uh, policy. Oh God, it's a really long name. It's the antitrust committee. And I do write that down. It's called, uh, that's my ticket, promoting competition and protecting consumers and live entertainment. And they are accused of anti-competitive uh, behavior in the ticket space. And they're also going to look at the merger between Live Nation and Ticketmaster. And they are scheduled for that Senate hearing on January 24th. That is amazing when you think about it. Because they're setting the market when they put the the, the, the tickets out for sale. Mm-hmm. And then they set the secondary market by mm-hmm. knowing that if this this event is going to sell out rather fast or the demand is going to be there and overwhelm, the demand is going to be more than what tickets they have. They set that market. And they kind of play with the numbers and they kind of play with what's going on and, 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 and really manipulate. That's what really is at the crux of this is manipulating the market for them to benefit on both ends. Is it a crime? I don't know because I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to pretend to know the legalities of this, mm-hmm. but it's not right to, for them to set both the secondary and the initial market. Oh, um, no. Uh, and they think that they're predatory. I mean, there are some other activities that they participate in. They own a lot of the venues. And so they own a lot of the entertainment acts as well, like Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber. And they own, you know, those acts, those touring acts. So what they've said is those acts will only go to venues that have Ticketmaster as the ticketing vendor. So if you're an arena in Cleveland or whatever, and you're using, oh, I don't know, another AEG or something like that or some other company, and you don't want to use Ticketmaster, then you're not going to be getting those acts coming through your venue. So they're squeezing out venues uh, that don't, uh, you know, buy the whole package. How is that not antitrust? So, exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So they're, they're, you know, predatory and exclusive uh, and exclusionary. Uh, These are the words that they're a monopoly. Uh, They're going to be, so the the Senate hearings with Amy uh, Amy Klobuchar, did I say that right? Klobuchar? Amy Klobuchar, Um, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, Lindsey Graham, Durbin is the chair, um, Mike Lee from Utah. um, So they're in Illinois, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, from Illinois. Um, so that's going to be happening. So they're, they're, they really believe that, you know, they've got some grounds to go after Ticketmaster. Cause you know, this is not the first time that, you know, Ticketmaster and, uh, Live Nation have been to this uh, Senate rodeo and nothing has ever really stuck before. Yeah, nothing ever really changes. Right. I want to exactly. know why. Because now everything is automated. There isn't someone actually putting the tickets in an envelope these days. Oh, this number's on a spreadsheet. Why? Theoretically, 
if if you're if you lower your personnel expense, which is usually the largest expense on a company's bottom line, is personnel. So we've seen with automation, it eliminates a lot of positions. So it lowers your personnel expense. Now, obviously, there's a cost to keeping things automated because you have maintenance, you have upkeep on whatever computer you're using, software needs to be updated, whatever, you know, that all that all has cost money. But you can't tell me that is equal or more to what back in the day when you had a floor full of customer service rep or ticket reps answering the phones with headsets. Those days are gone. So that is a huge expense. You can't tell me that maintenance cost or upkeep is equal to or more than that because there'd be no benefit to a company to going fully automated if it's going to be the same or more than personnel expense if you hire a human being. So there's obviously a benefit for them to be automated. So why are my fees keep going up when I do all the work? I select the tickets. Mm-hmm. I put the payment information in. I hit enter. I put in my address. Everything is done by the consumer, right? So why am I being charged more money for a processing fee when I'm doing all the work? Because okay. they're because they're getting the fee on the primary because that's where they're making money. They they make like seventy billion dollars. I mean that they're that's well, listen, yeah. I mean I mean Live, Live Nation has to make money. I get it, right? Yeah. I mean because I mean we I mean we can't just say that that they shouldn't be charging any fees or anything. No, they they have a legitimate reason to want to make money to want to make revenue, but it's the gouging, right? And it's the point I just made, if everything is going to an automated system, your personnel expense decreases, right? Because that's the what's why you go to an automated system. So you don't have to pay health benefits. You don't got to pay time off for, for employees. You don't got to pay training. You don't got to do any of that stuff. So theoretically, the price should be less or the fees should be less. But because there's there's handling fees, there's processing fees, there's all these fees now, which is like, Equal to at least one of the tickets or half the ticket price. Oh, right. Absolutely. No, I mean, well, you know, the fees are where they're making the money. So they have to have the fees on, you know, on the ticket. And that, I mean, and the surge pricing, obviously, you know, dynamic pricing is, you know, really helping their bottom line. They're there to make money. I mean, you know, but they're looking at them for, you know, I mean, uh, is it, I mean, do they, um, the fees that they're charging, right, uh, on, on the front end, you know, some could argue is a totally legitimate, right? Um, charging those same fees on the second one, you know, is that predatory, right? It, is that taking advantage of the consumer because they do withhold tickets. They only release about 10% of the tickets. And um, so they have these pre-sale things and uh, part of it, and this goes to a class, class action lawsuit that is uh, on being brought against uh, Live Nation by California, uh, Florida, and Ohio. It's uh, separate from the Senate hearing is, you know, um, do they um, 
it's not, it's so complicated, but you know, it's what are they? Um, so this, so first you need to know the class action lawsuit is about the way that arbitration is run, you know, and are they predatory and exclusionary? And, and they had a new arbitrary system come in a few years ago. And what they're arguing the lawyers for uh, the plaintiffs is that it is unfair and it is predatory and that it needs to be argued in open court. Um, because they withhold tickets and they release them to people who can afford to have American Express cards. You know, the cheapest American Express card is $250 a year. And they're saying that that is exclusive and, and only like rich people can afford to go into the pre-sale. And what they're doing is buying up all the tickets. And then that causes the dynamic pricing, which people who are on a modest or poor income can't even have access to buy the tickets. So what they want to do is um, find out uh, through the court system if there's another way uh, to have different arbitration or go or take them to court and argue in open court. So this is also going on at the same time. I, I understand that that I that situation and I understand that issue. However, I don't think that's the most important to focus on. I get it, you know, but the people with American Express, you have to have a certain credit number to get a, a, a American Express, and it gives you access, and they buy up all the tickets and whatever. Well, they say that it's actually so significant, and that they they sell they only put less than ten percent of the tickets available. That's the issue I have. It's it's like it's too few that they release to the public that, and right. what they. Is that they that they have uh, in lieu of um, money that they're exchanging access to to uh, some of their biggest clients, the banks being you know so they're giving money to the banks and the banks are turning around and giving it to their biggest clients and the biggest clients get the first you know hit on the tickets and then they're buying maximum six tickets each you know and then. Uh, and then the bots come in and the bot. And so Ticketmaster, like I said, they've created a software where it's free to the ticket brokers that are exclusive to their secondary market, uh, you know, a site uh, that they can just upload and download and just transfer, you know, buy and sell 24 hours a day, you know, and that shit. So well, that's I mean, the big issue that I have is, is the 10% of the tickets, because what that does is it limits the tickets initially. So you can quote unquote claim that something is sold out or near sold out based mm -hmm. on only releasing 10% because you're going to flip the 90% on the secondary market. And when those 10% of, of the tickets goes sell out, there's no more that creates the buzz that creates, Oh my God, this, this concert sold out. That creates the, the demand more increases demand because it becomes a quote unquote hot ticket. So that again causes the market to be manipulated. So they're manipulating both ends. They're only releasing 10 on the initial sale, 10%. Right. Okay? So you, I mean, if you don't get your tickets within two minutes of it being on sale online, you ain't going to get them. Then you got to go to the secondary market. Well, if it's all sold out, what does that do to the buyer that tells the buyer, Oh my God, these tickets are hot and increases the value of the secondary market. 
and they get a percentage off of that. But they're creating, they're manipulating that market. That's that's the huge issue I have is they're manipulating the markets. Like you can't manipulate the stock market. You can't, well, you can, but it's illegal to do that. Right. Right. You know, so, so, so what, what is the difference between, you know, these big hedge funds swooping in and creating the market on a stock market or manipulating the market on a stock market versus what Ticketmaster is doing on the, on the ticket side, on the entertainment side, because they make money obviously on the fees, but all these live nation arenas or theaters or wherever they are, they make money on the alcohol. They mm-hmm. make money on the merch. Mm-hmm. They make money on everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're pulling in big dollar amounts um, with these events. And don't tell me that, you know, if a ticket is a hundred bucks, all hundred dollars goes to that artist. They're also taking a percentage of that too, as well. Uh, they actually claim um, in one of these lawsuits that to, Majority of the revenues for Live Nation are from Ticketmaster. That they are actually financing Live Nation, and they are the money maker for it. So, for their vertically integrated business, uh, the one component that they were missing was Ticketmaster was the ticket component, and they bought it. And now that's the number one revenue generator for that company now. So that tells you revenue last year. And you have to remember. Uh, the other thing that is in, in both of these, the, the class action lawsuit, um, is going to be in front of the Senate hearing that is a smaller item, line item. But one of the things that's happening is that a live nation is going to small and medium sized venues across the United States and basically muscling in and, you know, saying, Hey, you're going to start using Ticketmaster. Are you not going to get any of these, uh, acts through your, you know, to your to your venue anymore, uh, so they're doing it at the smaller club level. So that would be like a in Southern California, and you know, it would be like the observatory kind of size. You know, maybe I would say the coathouse. Well, the coathouse is kind of independent; they'll never, you know, they'll do their own thing forever in a day. Uh, but that kind of size venue, and then even smaller, and that they're saying so. You know, when you used to going to your local nightclub to go see the the local bands and you go in and they're like it, go, it was five dollars last year and then you go and it's like fifteen dollars this year and you're like what's going on and you're like and it's a ticket master ticket yeah it's, it's so they've switched they've so the pandemic ticket masters have the opportunity to go through and take their time and just really squeeze out a lot of competition and they say that they really have 70 to almost 80% of that market at this point. How is that allowed? Predatory, perhaps. So, I mean, you know, that's what, that's what they're, they're being looked at for antitrust and, and being a monopoly. And, you know, and hopefully this time there's some teeth in either the Senate hearing and, you know, I don't know, arbitration lawsuit. Yeah, you're right. You know, maybe it's a distraction. Maybe, maybe they'll win. Maybe they will have to go in front of an open court. You know, well, my and, question. and argue that they're not predatory, that they're not a monopoly. You know, try and prove that they're not. My, my <laughs> next question on that is, and I'm, and I'm probably 100 percent positive, or almost 100 percent positive, that no artist is ever going to come on my show or any other show 
and will tell you what happens if they go to a venue that's not owned by Live Nation. They're not going to tell. They're not going to tell us what the what the ramifications are if they do that because there's probably an NDA on that as well. They probably got non disclosures on all these contracts. So, you know, ABC artists can't go and say, "Well, if we go and we sign with Live Nation and we play a venue outside of Live Nation, we can be fined, we can be sued, we can be sued for any of the revenue that we made on that one show without Live Nation." So. It's a racket, basically, oh, and, it, and, and they're right. getting it on both ends. And you know, during the pandemic, things were quiet because not a lot of us were going to shows because <laughs> things were getting canceled, tours were being canceled or postponed. But now that people are out and about doing this stuff again, you know, the 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 sticker shock of the fees is one thing. It's like, Jesus, when do these fees go up, these fees are ridiculous. And two, how they're manipulating both ends of the ticket price market. On initial sales and secondary, how they're forcing the artist to make a decision, only play at Live Nation events. And if you're an artist, your hands are tied because if they have 80% of the venues and you want to do a tour, you can't do a handful of Live Nation venues and a handful of non-Live Nation venues. You can't do that. So you're kind of, you know, forced to do that. Okay. Because if you want to go on a tour, you want it to be successful and you want to you know, you want to have a lot of different options in different markets. So based on all what I just said and what you just said, how is that not antitrust? How is that not creating a monopoly? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, um, but I, I, I feel like they're going to go in front of Congress. And let's let's also... Like I said in the beginning, they hired a lobbyist, an antitrust lobbyist. What do lobbyists do? I know why, antitrust lobbyists. Yeah. What do know. lobbyists do, right? Lobbyists grease the palms, basically, of politicians yeah. to give influence to any bill that they want to pass or any bill that they want to not pass, okay? So all these money for these fees... In the end, whether it's on the secondary market or the initial market, is going to defend themselves against antitrust and pay the politicians off so they don't have legislation that will impact their bottom line. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. You know, I mean, you know, this is not Live Nation's first time. And like you said, the Senate radio and, and legislation and what have you, you know, I know Pearl Jam took them on a long time ago. I mean, Taylor Swift, you know. She she's oh, taking a debacle. Her fans are filing a lawsuit. The whole Taylor Swift debacle. You guys can look that up online if you don't know about it. I'm not going to go into detail on it, but she came out and said that it was virtually impossible for her to tour without Live Nation, and so she had to bite the bullet. So yeah, somebody at her level, they cannot because they have most of the venues. So. You know, and they have all the ticketing. So, you know, she couldn't go without, you know, I mean, and well, if you look up how much they made last year, it's in the billions, billions. And um, because even though so many other industries suffered because of the pandemic, live music did come roaring back. Now, we also had like some really major, you know, people go on tour, too. So there was some big, big shows. 
uh, that went on sale. So that drove a little bit of it, but people were happy to go out and spend money. But now in a downtime in an economic recession, and if we're finding out that like, you know, they're just blatantly greedy companies trying to make money, you know, and so, and that's basically it because, you know, why would they be doing this otherwise if it wasn't for profit? Um, you know, maybe consumers will push back a little bit. You know, I, I think it'd be interesting for uh, everybody who's interested in this to pay attention to the Senate hearings and, and check out what they say and uh, what kind of evidence is presented and what Live Nation have to say and what your senators and legislators have to say, you know. Because um, that's really what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. How the game works in D.C. is if the public is not pressuring the politicians, they're they're going to always go in favor of the corporations because the corporations hire the lobbyists to, to grease their palms. But if they get pushback from the consumer in their district, their constituents, as, as they call them. So if you've ever heard that term, that's what it means. If you're picking up the phone and you're calling and you're having people that you know and you're telling them to call, that pressure in itself, there will be some pushbacks from some politicians. Some politicians are all about the money. Most of them are, as we know. But this is not going to stop. This is going to be more and more of the concert-going experience. It's going to price out. A lot of we talked about in the beginning, you know, the people that don't have the means to afford some of these concerts. And, of course, there's going to be people out there like, well, if they can't afford the concert, you know, they shouldn't be going. True. I get it. But we're getting to a point where even people who can't afford it are like, what the fuck? Like, this is (laughs) ridiculous, these fees. You know, it's not just... You know, it's always an option. It's never forced upon anyone to go to a concert, a ball game, wherever, or buy a beer at a ball game or whatever. It's just a matter of are they doing right by the consumer? Take out, yeah, take out the fact of what demographic financially someone lands in, whether it's lower income, middle income, upper income. Doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't matter. It's, how they're setting the price and why things are so expensive. I mean, some of the prices for the Taylor Swift show mm. were like what ten grand for a yeah. ticket? for one ticket, ten grand. Yeah. I, 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 I've been Taylor in the, Swift. I, you know, and you know Taylor Swift probably not. I, I'm not her demographic, but I really do admire her, um, her strong fortitude. You know, she uh, basically uh, told the ticket master to sleep with one eye open, which I thought was very clever. <laughs> I was like, all right, because, uh, you know, those those fans are coming after him. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, you know. And who who is these, who are this con- um, congressional committee? Who are they going to call? Are they going to call <laughs> Live Nation lawyers? Yeah, of course. Are they going to call the club owners and the theater owners, the arena owners? Are they going to call the artists that are basically held captive by these contracts? 
Are they going to call the whole spectrum of people involved and impacted by this? How about fans who are trying to just get tickets? Right, you know? right. Yeah buy his daughter tickets to go to, you know, for her birthday. You know, he used to be able, I mean, live entertainment, and I think, you know, that's why this is important. Live entertainment used to be attainable, a form of attainable entertainment for most people, you know. Uh, tickets, like if you want a nosebleed, they were a little bit cheaper, you know. I remember getting the $10 tickets or whatever, the $5 nosebleed, and um, the other... Um, uh, if you wanted front row, there were going to be a little bit more. I think, you know, the, the important thing is getting the information in public and out in the daylight. You know, I want to hear the answers. And if they don't answer, well, you know, not answering is an, is an answer, right? If they want to be, if they will obfuscate the truth. I mean, they're just going to come off looking like they are really, you know, predatory and exclusive and, you know, exclusatory uh, and all those other big legal words in there. And and if you're if you've got 70 to 80 percent of the market just by that number alone, you know, there has to be some repercussions. There has to be competitive. There has to be competition in America because that's why we have RICO laws. That's why we have antitrust laws. That's why you can't run a racket. You know, I mean, we went hard on that (laughs) and fighting the mob and fighting uh, corruption and to just let people run amok and completely destroy the live entertainment industry for simply for greed and profit just doesn't seem right. No, not at all. And it's, it's the manipulation. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I can afford it. Who cares? You can afford it now. This is going to keep going. If it's not stopped, like it's gonna, you know, you're going to be, instead of you going to like, I go, I go to about 40 shows a year. If this keeps going, I may only go to five. We only go to three because it's going to become so expensive to go. And I go to a lot of smaller venues, but even the smaller venues, like I saw Marcus King back in November, October with, um, with high stick Mick, one of my Twitter followers. And I think the tickets were like 45 bucks, which is not bad, you know, on face value. But after the fees, it was like $30 in fees and taxes and all this stuff. It was like, it, it cost me almost a hundred bucks for one ticket. And I was like, when did this start? Like when, I, I don't remember when, you know, all these fees started. And it just seemed to start this year. Cause of course they've got to make up for the money that they lost during the pandemic. Cause nobody was going to shows. But at the same time, when you think back of when tickets, when ticket prices were when we were younger, mm-hmm. and we had to go drive to whatever it was mm-hmm. AC Penny or Carson Peary Scott or whatever outlet sold Ticketmaster or Ticketron back in the day. Ticketron, yeah. And you used to go drive, wait in line, yeah, wait. or call. You had to call, but. You know, the tickets, I remember I, I mentioned that Ace Freely concert that I went to with Y&T and Faster Pussycat when I was 10 or 12, I think it was 12 years old. 
I mean, the tickets were like 15 bucks. Like I could afford that on paper route money. Now that same show is probably going to be 40, 50. And, and of course it's a different time. It's 20 some years later or 30 some years later. Of course, there's always going to be a hike in pricing and a hike in cost, but we're doing everything for them. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Like I said, we get on our own computer, we go yeah. online to their website, we put it, it yeah. the amount of tickets we want, where we want to sit, our address, our billing information, our credit card information. We are what used to be the order takers. We're doing that free of charge for them, right? They used to have someone on the phone doing that. Now they don't. And we're spending more money on fees and the ticket prices are more. So where is the disconnect? Why is there why is there higher pricing? And of course, it's them manipulating the market for a higher bottom line, higher revenue. The only the only reason why they're doing this is that is, is because of that. So when they go and have this congressional hearing, which is great on paper, is it going to mean anything? Probably not, because nothing ever does, it seems, in Washington. Yeah. But are they going to be talking to the right people? Like Christy said, are they going to be talking to fans? Are they going to be talking to club owners and theater owners, arena owners? Are they going to be talking to the artists and bands that are beholden to these contracts and can't play outside of these events or of these areas, you know, arenas or whatever? Are they talking to how that impacts them? Is Taylor Swift going to volunteer and testify? She should. Is Bruce Springsteen, Springsteen, the the ultimate common man. Right, but the guy that's made his money on being a symbol for the middle class, even though he's a freaking millionaire, but he's made his money being a symbol for the middle class. Is he going to get up and testify against Live Nation? Because that's what it takes. You know, I mean, who's the last band that did it? Pearl Jam, I think. Right? 
Yeah, no, my homies, you know, I love my Pearl Jam to pieces. And I'm like, for 30 years they've been railing, but, you know, they have an exclusive contract with um, with um, Live Nation, you know, and I had to, because of COVID, I, I can't tell you, I'm still going to COVID-canceled concert. So I've got, like, two more concerts coming up that have been postponed and canceled since, like, 2020, yeah. So I'm still going to those before I buy any more new tickets. I'm going to use up, you know, the ones from three years ago. So <laughs> eventually, hopefully, I get to them. But, you know, Pearl Jam took them on, you know, and and now they have an exclusive nation, and I, ha- I mean, an exclusive contract, and I had to sell my my tickets three times or four times now, and I'm a member of their 10 club, and I still had to use Ticketmaster Resale. You know, I had to use the secondary market. I mean, granted, they didn't have, have any fees, which was great. But, you know, that's not the same for other artists. You know, other artists are going to be um, uh, charging fees. And so Live Nation is just going to be making money. And, you know, the front door, the back door, the side door, all, all the doors, they're making money. What know? is this hearing going to take place? Uh, January 24th. Okay. And uh and that's that's coming up and I think that's a I mean it's really it's our closest opportunity that we have to um looking behind the curtain, you know, peeling that curtain back and having them uh testify under oath and uh you know reveal what what are they you know, why do they think that they're vertically integrated when it really to everybody else who has who's tried to buy a ticket looks like it's a racket? <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Feels it really like. Is. It totally is. I mean, I don't know how you how you can look at it any other way. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with this hearing that. Is basically that's what Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up Tuesday. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think um, uh, I think at ten a.m. on the West Coast. So I have a written down to leave my notebook in here. When I put my notebook, um, oh here it is. It's it's coming up. Well, you guys can you know anybody who's listening to this um. And if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, I think C-SPAN, you can go to C-SPAN or something like that and you can uh, listen or find that. But it's the center for um, promoting competitive. Uh, wait, what's the name of it? It's um, That's the ticket, promoting competition and protecting consumers in live entertainment. That is the name of the hearing. Anyone listening should be calling their congressman should be calling their senator and asking them what are they doing to counteract the manipulation of the live entertainment market by live nation exactly to be calling them and not just you know and staying on them too because this affects music lovers this affects what we're passionate about and it's bullshit there's no other way to look at it that's completely. If you've had to buy a ticket, if you, I mean, 
Oh, it's it's so unpleasant. I know, you know, I didn't buy tickets to I want I really want to see Tool live, you know. I think that would be an amazing experience. And I'm in the Southern California market, so not only do we pay the fees, we also pay the we live in Southern California market hike. Right, you know, everything here is like you're paying forty five dollars for a ticket and I'm like $45 for a ticket. Wow. That sounds great. I mean, I can't remember $45 for a ticket, you know, rival sons was $125 on the resale. I think there were 75 original. So I had to get them on the resale, but, um, you know, <laughs> all I can say is, uh, everybody, you know, listen to Jay's advice, tune in, contact your, um, senators and make this an issue for them. Cause if it's not an issue for them, then it's not an issue. So we, we need to make some noise. If we ever want to see those fees come down, we want to have some competition, you know, somebody else, uh, needs to break into the space and, and they need to limit. I think personally, I don't think companies like this should be vertically integrated. You know, because that's like basically having, you know, that old adage, having the fox watch the chicken coop, you know, basically. So it'll definitely be a topic that we will be following this year and to see what happens. But again, to reiterate, call your congressman, call your representative, call your senator and ask them, what are they doing to counteract the manipulation of the live entertainment market? by Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Simple question. What are they doing? And if they're not doing anything, ask them why. Because there are constituents in everyone's state, in everyone's district, that goes to concerts. Okay? And based on the numbers that live entertainment pulls in, it's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that that are going to be impacted by this. So, again, um, Please, uh, please be aware and, and please, you know, this is what, this is what it's going to take is, is phone calls and it mm-hmm. works. It works. It works. It works. So. Yes, it does. I email. So I call, I call and I email, you know, I, I mean, you know, and yeah, you have to sign up and you do have to, you know, get emails from your senator and your legislators in the future. And, um, this is at the federal level, so you should know who they are anyway. And so I get emails from my representatives and my senators and my Congress people. And is it always relevant? No, but I can always contact them. And that's what's great about that. It's it's great to be able just to, you know, easily get their email address in your email and and just fire something off. That really counts because what they do is they count like every letter, every phone call they get. They figure 10 other people feel the same way. So they kind of use that to extrapolate the numbers of people uh, um, that have an opinion on a particular topic. So the Don't more let the lobbyists win. Don't let the lobbyists yeah. and, and, and yeah. big corporations win because that's what they do to counteract a, a pushback of the consumer. They spend money. But if there's a lot of people doing and making calls and sending emails. No dollar amount will be able to 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 buy off that politician because they they're going to come up for a vote, right? And if and if a lot of people in their territory are calling and sending them emails and 
calling, you know, their, their district phone number, they're going to think twice. They're going to do something. Something's going to come out of it. Hopefully it, it's meaningful because again, it is, um, it's getting ridiculous. So yeah. Yeah. Good luck buying a ticket. <laughs> Moving on to what we talked about previously when you were on in October, which was our, our episode about TikTok and the algorithms. We're not going to really kind of go into the algorithms again, uh, or at least with this episode, not to say that we won't talk about it again. If you missed that episode, it was released in October. October it was about TikTok and how algorithms and TikTok are ruining music. And I think a lot of people are curious why I keep retweeting stuff about TikTok and the bans that government, state governments are issuing, campuses now are issuing. Because on a surface, what does it have to do with music and the Hook Rocks podcast? Well, it doesn't have anything to do directly with my podcast, but it has a lot to do with the survival of music and the way we absorb it, the way we listen to it, and what's happening to these great new bands and artists that we promote here and the grind that they go through only to be jumped over by these quote-unquote influencers and these TikTok stars because them covering a solo by Van Halen or Santana or whoever it is gets all these views and all these followers. Well, record companies are signing those TikTok influencers or Instagram influencers based on follows and likes. Now, there is always talent with being able to play an instrument and being able to play a cover of Eruption or whatever it is. But they're not writing their own music. And when they get signed to these record deals, they're not going to write their own music. They're going to have a team of writers. They're going to auto-tune the shit out of it. And these artists are never going to tour because the band that they're going to put through is all going to be taped and, you know, with, with uh, lip-synced, whatever it is, auto-tuned, whatever it is. Uh, they're going to be playing to a track. And it's going to water down music even more. So that's why there's a big push on these episodes and why I like to talk about TikTok. Because TikTok is an evil app. And I'm not a big conspiracy person. Most of you know that. But this is all based on factual information. This is not something that I read on some fringe website that now I've got this bug up my ass where, you know, we got to talk about it. This is factual information. Let's start with the UK. So we talked about this in the previous episode where the UK sued TikTok because it was collecting data. And let's just back back up a little bit, pump the brakes. TikTok is owned by China. Okay. China is a communist country. China is one of the biggest threats to democracy. Okay. So if there was an enemy of democracy, what would be the most valuable thing that they could collect to help manipulate the people in those in those countries? Data. What people do, where people go, what people buy, what people what makes people happy, what makes people sad. All that algorithm goes into it. They're pulling data. What time of day you're happy, what time of day, all that stuff is being collected by TikTok and its users. Okay, and what do you think they're going to do with that data? They're not just going to sit on their hands and say, oh, we've got 
you know, boatloads of information on these people. We're not, we're just not going to do anything. They're going to manipulate. They're going to create chaos through manipulating information based on data that they collect. Okay. So going into the UK, we talked about this in the last episode, UK sued TikTok because they have regulations in place where you're not able to collect data on people. I think it's younger than 12 or 14. 13. 13? I think it's younger than 13. Yeah. Yeah. So they were collecting data on users as young as seven, eight years old. And it's great that the UK has regulations in place where that's not allowed. I wish the US had that because we don't. But they won their lawsuit. They won their lawsuit against TikTok and about collecting data. Now, I know people, you know, love the, love the TikTok videos and love the short videos and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, this is not good for you. It's not good for your children. And there is a real thing about depression and mental health issues caused by this app. And that's what people are starting to realize is that when you collect data on people, you can manipulate them to how they feel. And it's causing harm to young people. And it's causing harm all over. We can get into a whole conversation on conspiracies and all the information that's coming out from China that helps kind of dirty or pollute the information here in America. That's a real thing that's really happening. And TikTok is at the forefront in in, in allowing that, or not allowing it, but being a tool for it to happen. So yeah. when we I talk about seen. TikTok and I, and, I, I, and I retweet articles, that's the, the motivation behind is to show me what a shit app this really is. I have an update on, on TikTok right up that alley right there that it harms children. It is harmful to children's mental health, mental well-being, and their brain actually affects their endorphin and dopamine in their brain and is fucking them up majorly. And it's being, uh, it's a lawsuit being brought by the um, Seattle Public School District against TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, et al., uh, because they, they say that it is harmful to children and they want it out so uh it was filed a couple weeks ago and so keep our eyes on that uh tiktok has uh recently been banned from state uh phones in uh, south dakota and a couple of the states followed suit recently as well i i just can't remember what they are but um state at the state level so instead of being a federal issue perhaps it'll end up being a state by state that uh, TikTok is going to be banned from uh, government officials at the state level. Oh, sorry about that. Um, uh, which, you know, a lot of people are very cautious. So, you know, it's uh, TikTok is owned by ByteDance. ByteDance is a Chinese company. If you're doing a business in China, you have a board member uh, that sits on your company and they are with the Communist Party. So, uh, bite dance, and you have to provide your data to uh, the Communist Chinese Party, the CCP, uh, pretty much on a daily basis, and they collect specific data. 
that is exactly what's getting transferred to the Communist Chinese Party every day, uh, up to 5,000 data points. And, but, you know, that's I don't think that's just TikTok with the 5,000 data points. I just think that there's so much data available on everybody out there that, you know, anybody like Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, you know, TikTok can gather that much information on an individual. Probably more. Yeah, I mean, I, I was guilty of, of posting TikTok videos from new bands and artists that I follow, but I've stopped doing that for the most part. Um, I will not open up any link that's sent to me that's from a TikTok page. I will not open it. Um, parents need to get their kids off of TikTok, first and foremost. It's not good for them. And we need to take back in terms of our interest, this podcast interest, take back what makes music great. What makes music great is is not someone that can play a guitar cover. You know, what makes music great is these bands that come up from nothing, nowhere, and put the grind in and play these clubs and save up money to go record music and put demos together and that's that's what makes music so powerful and so great. One of the reasons, at least, you know, sitting there in, in on your couch or in your bedroom, that's great. But are these the artists that we want to go see live, or is do we want to go see the bands that are really, you know, stepping through the mud and getting dirty and grinding it? I know my my answer is. Um, I hope everyone who is passionate about music and loves new music, feels the same way. Stop posting that stuff because it's just leading to more and more of a diminished role and actually signing talented bands and artists that are playing live, that actually can sing live and play live. So, you know, yeah. Texas, I know Bandit, South Dakota, there's probably about at least – eight or nine more states that are banning it. More will be doing so in the future. Mm -hmm. I predict by the end of this year, legislation will be introduced, not passed, Mm -hmm. but there'll be legislation that will be introduced and they'll start to work off that. And hopefully at some point there is some regulation where someone who's eight, nine, 10 years old in this country cannot have data collected on them. If they do have TikTok on their phone or their iPad or whatever. Hopefully that stops because that needs to stop. And two, hopefully people just get a little bit more smarter, a little bit more wiser about how they're being manipulated. Because that's a common theme now. We're being manipulated by Live Nation and Ticketmaster with the initial market and the secondary market, setting the pricing and all these costs that go into it. We're being manipulated and telling us what we think and all this stuff. I mean, when you look at some of the information that is out there and how it contradicts scientists and people that study this, statisticians and whatever, and people go against it, it's because they're being manipulated because of apps like TikTok, because they know what drives people to change their mind or what drives people to absorb information. So you got to keep that in mind. Every time that you go on that app and you make a video and whatever, um, it's dangerous. Campuses are now banning it college campuses across this country are now banning it yeah as it should be it's not it's not a great you know it's i just no thank you 
I mean, you know, doing deep research and all of these topics, the less time I spend on social media, as much as I need it, I know, and I, and I, and I love and appreciate my followers and having fun conversations with people. But, you know, just know going into it that, like, you're basically, uh, you know, being bought and sold every second you're out there. So, bought and sold, manipulated. Yeah, um, manipulated, uh, lied to. Double, double dipped constantly, you know. <laughs> I mean, just think of it this way. When you are on Twitter or you are on Facebook or Instagram and you click on certain things on your computer, right? You mm-hmm. search things on Google, you read different articles, you have different things that you're interested in or things that you read about frequently. Whenever you go on like Twitter, and you go on the trending stuff on on the right. All that stuff is based on your search history and your Google history of what you're looking at on your computer. So what does that mean? What is it? How does that affect you? Well, when you're only reading things that you are interested in or a point of view that you're interested in, it becomes a bubble, right? And when you're in a bubble, guess what happens? You get manipulated. Because you're not seeing other information. You're not seeing another side or another point of view because you're so locked in on the algorithm that you've made for yourself that's been developed by these social media companies. So, you know, if, if I go look at Led Zeppelin, I'm, I read 10 articles about Led Zeppelin in a week. I'm going to see trends for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Yeah. I'm not going to see. Uh, uh, anything trending about other artists that I like that maybe I didn't read about in the last 30 days. So I'm not going to know what they're doing. Just like, you know, political stuff. If you <laughs> something that is a certain point of view, you're going to keep getting article links for that point of view. And this is one of the reasons why our country's become so tribal is because we're only seeing that one side because these social media companies are manipulating us into a bubble that we only see one thing and we cannot believe anything else that is out there. Hence, quote unquote, fake news, not true, all this stuff, because people are not getting a total 360 degree view of an issue or a situation. So no, that's are designed. No, they're just designed to feed you more of what you like. Yep. More yep. of what you into yeah yeah remember remember oh. when oh. Oh. remember when you're in a situation uh-huh. when you're collecting or not collecting you're absorbing news you need to hear the news that you need to hear that you want to hear okay. yeah so again it goes both sides i'm not saying left or right I'm just saying that this has the ability to really impact your way of thinking and the way you view things with certain issues. So we will continue to talk about TikTok and we'll continue to retweet articles as to why this app is dangerous. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I do do think there'll be some legislation introduced at some point Mm -hmm. this year. Um. I said introduced, not passed. We'll see where that goes. But I also think there needs to be, along with some legislation on TikTok, 
there needs to be some regulation on how these social media companies collect data on certain people's ages, you know, youngsters, kids. It should not be allowed. No way it should be allowed. And two, you know, they you you need to know that they are doing that and what they're doing with that information. Oh, yeah. so some of the stuff does come to fruition because I really do think it's 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 not the most important issue that's out there. I always hate to quantify and say this is the most important issue, but it is an important issue facing us socially and mental health wise. Um, and it's not going to go away unless we do something. Well, I think a school district suing them for uh, fucking up kids' brains <laughs> is pretty monumental. And if if they win, if they, I mean, you know, it's gonna they're gonna go to court. I don't think they're gonna settle. And uh, I think they want to air this in in daylight and have people look at the evidence and see what how harmful these apps are to kids. And uh, hopefully they win. And uh, this crap is banned. It really is. You know, we'll yeah, see. This isn't some crazed conspiracy, too, people. Like, this is serious uh-huh. stuff. Like, this is affecting how you absorb information, how you get information, and how information is presented to you. And you should be pissed. And you should be pissed that your kids are getting hooked on this stuff. And it's creating issues with depression. It's creating issues with social interaction, anger. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's messed up. So hopefully things continue. We'll see what this year brings. I said, I think in October, I said within two years, I think TikTok will be banned. I still believe yeah. that. Um, but we'll see at the end of this year. Of course, we're going to be talking about it throughout the year, but we'll revisit TikTok yeah. at the end of this year to see if anything has moved forward and see if there's been any progress towards that. Sounds good. One last topic to talk is something we really haven't discussed in a while on the podcast, and that is streaming. And Mm. streaming really became relevant during the pandemic, as we know, because bands were going on their social media pages or YouTube page and, you know, doing acoustic sets or renting out a stage at some club and playing live and doing that because it was helping them get some revenue that they were losing because they couldn't tour. And the numbers have gone significantly down in terms of streaming live events, live shows. And I think we did expect there be to, to be some dip decrease in the amount of viewership for streaming. Um, I was surprised at the amount that it decreased. I still don't think it's a, a dead format. I just think that this past year, Everybody was so focused on getting out and playing and the people that came out. There's a lot of people that came out for live events because people have been cooped up for two years. Look at Live Nation's numbers, you know, that proves it. I know people. I think think is is ticket prices continue to go up with fees. And I think people kind of settle in now after the initial year of kind of getting back to doing things normally. I think. I think that that's it's going to change. I think that you're going to see an increase again in viewership for streaming. I agree. Uh, but I think streaming, I think, well, you know, they raise their prices, right? 
So everything went up a dollar. And well, when everybody was at home collecting their PPEs and whatever, yeah, it was all right. So you have subscriptions and you have a whole bunch of subscriptions. And um, and then, you know, hard times hit, the recession hits, you got to make cuts. You look at your subscriptions and maybe all of a sudden you're cutting your Spotify and your Netflix and whatever, and you're making some cutbacks and you're, you know, so here you are, you know, subscriptions are down or they're not growing or they're stagnant or they're only growing in South America and they're not growing here or you're losing market share. But overall, streaming, you know, people got, you said, yeah, they went out to concerts, but basically they, they got out of the house, right? And I think that number is just correlates exactly with that. And so, I think you're right. It's, it's inflation keeps persisting in this country and prices are coming down, especially I think gas prices are coming down, which is extremely helpful. But until we really see prices come down at the grocery store or wherever, I think you're going to start to see those those numbers climb back up. And if prices continue to go up and fees continue to go up for Ticketmaster and Live Nation, you're going to see those those numbers go back up because Again, you know, people are going to be able to, you know, are not going to be able to afford going that they can get a stream of a show and pay a fraction of what they would pay. I think, I think people will start to re reconsider watching a stream of a live show. That's my well, opinion. We'll see if that happens. Interesting. We haven't talked about live streaming in a while either. And I really thought that it would have more of an impact as a possible extra revenue stream for bands, you know, that, you know, and I know Beeps hooked up with Live Nation and they bought up venues across the U.S. and then wired them for live streaming. And um, and then it got kind of quiet. Really haven't heard any live stream. You know, I think um, BTS maybe and... um, um, somebody else um beyonce maybe i can't remember a couple of really big acts maybe adele very very big made billions of dollars in one night on the live stream right but i got an email um from <laughs> live nation and uh they um I, there's they announced bush is having a live stream on january 29th uh from a venue in los angeles i'm not sure which one uh, I forgot to look. Um, and it's from Beeps. So I was like, oh, hey, okay, well, they're still alive, eh? You know, <laughs> good to see that they're out there in the market. They're putting a, a show on. And I, I have to say, I really love the new Bush album uh, they put out, I think, either late last year or early this year. I can't remember exactly, maybe late last year. Really good, very excellent album. Kind of real modern, but a little bit of grungy. It sounds great. Um, and so people now can have the option, and that's a great option to have. And, you know, when prices are crazy, right? Yeah. To yeah. No, I, I think I think it is going to come back. I, you know, will it be what people are anticipating at the, you know, the, the height of the pandemic? Maybe not. But I still think it can be used as a tool to gain extra revenue for an artist or a band. And I still think there's something to be had there. I still think people are trying to figure it out and to see if audiences will come back to it. And I think 
as prices keep going up, I just I don't see another avenue where people can enjoy a band um, or an artist at the, in the comfort of their own home. So we'll see what happens with that. I still think that it's it is promising, and I still think that um, the numbers will come back up on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that. I mean, Live Nation, TikTok, live streaming. I think this is something that, you know, we'll continue to watch and we'll continue to observe and see what's happening with it. But please reach out to your congressman, yeah. your senator, call them about the hearing on the 24th. And um, I think it's going to be airing or that's going to be happening when we air this episode on Tuesday, the 24th. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so please, reach out. yeah. Even if you can't get, even if you listen to it after, still keep calling because you know they need to hear about this because, um, you know, I think everybody should have the right to go to see live entertainment without, you know, I mean, and you know, it's not Ticketmaster just doesn't handle live music; they handle everything. So they like you want to take your little kids to go see, you know frozen on ice or whatever or you want to see a hockey game or you want to see this or you want to go to the local this you want to go to that they handle everything all the tickets all the venues are with you know Ticketmaster. so it, it doesn't just affect you know music fans it affects everybody who wants to go and see live entertainment so the power of the people the power of the phone calls yeah Get on. and don't think that it doesn't because it there is proof that it does. And don't let the lobbyists win. Don't let these big, huge corporations win. Because if they do, the people that don't call and the people that think that they can't do anything will just sit and bitch and complain. Oh, yeah, they're screwing us again. Oh, yeah, they're doing it. But you got to call. You got to put forth an effort. The most valuable person in government is an informed citizen. Yeah. Okay. And don't anybody tell you different. You have the power to move things. The lobbyists are counting on you to not do that. So please do that. So, Christy, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this again. Thanks for having me, Jay. Always great to be back, you guys. See you next time. All right, everyone. Once again, Christine Eagle, our music insider here, music business insider. Always a great conversation and chat with her. Um, please look up her previous episodes that she's done. She's been doing this with me here now for the last couple of years. So I always enjoy when, when she gets, has a chance to talk about what's happening. And don't forget to write us a review for the hook rocks and check us out on all podcast platforms and set your app to automatic download. So you get the latest episodes right to your phone. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. It's been another episode of the hook rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast take care everyone stay safe we'll talk soon thanks
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 